gente otra vez de nuevo, tu host, Samuel Alvarado. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode, and I hope that you get something out of it. Currently, I'm going to just be real with y'all, I've been a little bit MIA because school got me stressing, and this whole online school vibes, honestly, man, they're not as cool as I thought. You know, I had this great idea. Well, it's online classes. I've, I've taken online classes before. I'll be able to, you know, manage my time, go at my own pace. These ideas, right, that, that we tell ourselves. But I did not realize that the whole virtual learning concept is built on this shame and guilt and tears of college students. So we're having a little bit of a rough patch adjusting. I'm sure a lot of students are because virtual learning is just a whole nother ball game you know you, you thought you had learning down because you've, you've been to college and and you have your degree but then all of a sudden these online classes come and it's like listen man we're gonna make you stress out we're gonna make you procrastinate like you've never done it before and we're gonna just shower you with so much guilt because you're living life and you're having fun but at the back of your head that pre-recorded lecture is just living there waiting for you to watch it at home. So that's how it is currently for us as virtual learning students. And one of the biggest struggles of being a virtual learner is you do not get, I guess, as much a sense of community or involvement as you would have wanted. And you do, I mean, colleges that are having in-person classes might have the ability to get involved a little bit more but it's it's just different you know it's different and it's just a very weird season where um it's hard it's hard to find your place it's hard to find uh your where you belong especially as first gen students and speaking personally it's a very important time where you develop who you are um it doesn't end and it doesn't start in college i mean finding out who you are and finding what you're passionate about is something that goes beyond college so don't worry about oh i have to find you know who i am in college or i have to you know do this 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 in college no no i mean you're you're on your own path you're developing who you are as you grow older and it takes time so don't compare yourself to other people But college does offer you the opportunity to solidify some aspects of your character and of who you are and, and what direction you want to go in life. I see kind of college as, as a springboard to say, okay, um, this season of my life is very important because it's going to launch me into the direction that I want to go. Obviously, Uh, some people get launched into into a direction where they're like, dang, like this really isn't for me. So they have to kind of rework some things. And that's okay. That, that's fine. But ideally, in an ideal world, you would want to kind of find a, who you are and, and more about your character and what drives you and what motivates you um, now in college so that you can at least kind of narrow the direction where you want to go if if you accomplish something in college let it be finding out more about yourself and picking an area or or at least a zone that you want to take a part in or land in and part of that obviously requires a lot of thinking and a lot of introspection and asking yourself well who am i what do i value what are the things that that i desire 
And an even bigger part of that is finding where you belong, what community and what group of people are going to drive you, motivate you, and who or what community do you want to serve and be a part of at least for a part of your life. Know that life is, is you know, goes beyond college and goes beyond work, all right? I made a tweet the other day, and this is not a self-plug, um, but I tweeted the non-academic parts of who you are are also important too. And I ended up like misspelling some words and I felt bad. And so I deleted the tweet and then I retweeted it. Yes, I'm one of those people I have that where I'm like, dang, I misspell, I look phony. Uh, let me let me delete this real quick. <laughs> hey, don't throw, don't throw a shade at me. I know you've done it too. So um, it's okay, it's okay. Anyways, um, I have that type of personality. I'm not always proud of it, but it's okay. Anyways. I want to share with you guys a story and I'll share this story and then we'll go back to the idea of finding where you belong. All right. So I'm five, six years old. I I think I was five, five and a half, let's just say. So my family, you know, we're living in California. Nos vamos para Mexico. We go to Mexico for the summer. We're there for like two, three months. And I remember one specific day. My grandparents have a ranch, and so we drove out to the ranch. It was my mom and myself and my older brother and my older sister. Entonces, estamos en el rancho, muy bonito todo. Mis abuelos tienen sembradío de... Tenían sembradío de maíz, tenían ganado, tenían sembradíos de, de maguey, which is the, the plant where tequila comes from. And so it was, it was just a blast. And obviously hanging out with your cousins and just having fun and also you know, <laughs> and also working because all that energy you have as a kid is the perfect tool for tíos to say, hey, you have, you're a kid, you're young, you have lots of energy, come help me do this or come help me do that. So allá andábamos los primos tirando el abono al maíz, eh, arreando el ganado, lo que sea, right? And so we had, among the, the animals that make up a farm, you know, chickens are just amazing, right? So my grandma had lots of chickens, and so the chickens had eggs, and then they had chicks. So there was a, the mama chicken with a bunch of little baby chicks, and so us, uh, we were like, oh, little baby chicks. And it, mis primos, older cousins, they were like, hey, this is my chick, and his name is going to be Carlitos. And so we, as the, as the younger cousin, were like, oh, like I want a baby chick too. And so we quote-unquote had our own you know in quotation marks our own chick even though it wasn't ours um but to in our minds you know the baby chick was ours so we were there for a couple hours and we were just you know playing with the chicks and like oh this one's mine and this one's yours and i'm gonna call it this i'm gonna call it that but there was a little chick that was you know no one really picked because it was small and it looked kind of sick like it just it didn't look healthy it wasn't a healthy chick um, it was smaller than the other ones, and it would always, like, lag. So, poor little baby chick. Anyways, it ended up, like, dying, or I don't know if it just, like, collapsed under exhaustion or what happened, but we presumed it dead, right? Little baby chick had, like, a half a turd hanging out of his cloaca. I think I think that's, like, the anatomical term because, you know, chickens, they poop and pee out of the same... Anyways, yeah, so half a turd and just, like, 
collapsed you know eyes are closed it wasn't like moving and so my older cousins were like ah está muerto está muerto so we we presumed it dead right so my older brother had this great he's he's so mischievous anyways he had this great idea that we're going to make a funeral for this baby chick and so we're like, yeah, this is a great idea. So we get this little box, put the little baby chick with some dead grass and everything. And we start, you know, marching down the little dirt path. And, and I was just partaking in this. I was not, you know, I did not organize this. I was just partaking in this little baby chick funeral. My older brother has the great idea of the proper way to send this chick off to a better place is to incinerate it and collect its ashes and then you know spread its ashes I don't know just on the ranch somewhere and I as younger brother obviously <laughs> he saw me as a threat to tell my mom and Mitias what they were doing so in his mind I assume that he was thinking I'm not gonna give this kid the opportunity to to tell anyone and to observe what we're gonna be doing so he said, hey, you can't come with us. And I'm like, why not? And he's like, no puedes, no puedes estar aquí, vete con mi mamá. And so me as a little, you know, little kid, I got really sad. I, I went away crying. I was like, I want to I wanna go with them, but I can't. So I went to go cry with my mom. Obviously, she was busy, estaba hablando con las tías, wasn't really paying attention to me. So I just kind of sat there and sulked in my own sadness. And I would hear them, you know, marching and singing their little songs and carrying this dead chick, and I didn't get to partake in it, and I felt bad. Long story short, <laughs> I asked my brother, I was like, hey, so what happened to that chick? That uh, He's like, oh, I felt so bad because when we lit it on fire, it started chirping, and we didn't know what to do, and so we they essentially burned a baby chick alive, which is probably one of the grossest and most vilest things that you can do, but... Uh, we did it, and we, we partook in it, and I'm sorry. Please do not call PETA on us. That was, like, back in 2002, 2003. I don't, I don't even know how long ago it was. So the point of this story and the point of the ba- burning the baby chick alive is that I felt left out, right? And there's moments in life that you feel left out. And this was one particular moment where it wasn't necessarily you know, something amazing. But for me as a kid to be left out and to see all my cousins going and parading with this little baby chick and for me to get told, hey, you don't belong here was one of the most heartbreaking things that could have happened to me. So heartbreaking that I recollect that memory and I can I can imagine and picture myself and the time of day and what was going on and what position the sun was in and the color of the chair that my mom was sitting in. I remember those details because it was such a sad moment for me and because I felt left out. I felt like I didn't belong. And so tying this story to the current situation in college is that many a times you feel that same sadness and that same heaviness of I feel like I don't belong here I feel like I'm not part of this group or in some cases you've been told by others explicitly or you know just by attitudes or or by the way people treat you that you don't belong in that space that you don't belong in that university that you don't belong in those classes and majority of the time 
it feels like you're left out. You're left out of the conversation because you have a different set of experiences or because of the color of your skin. And you are left out of resources and opportunities that many of your peers have and have had growing up and you're just finding out about them. And so you feel like you don't belong in this university setting, that it's too complex. It feels like everyone is a step ahead of you and you're barely understanding how university works and everyone just seems like they're miles ahead of you. And trust me, I have felt like this plenty of times. So what do we do about that feeling? What do we do about feeling left out and feeling like we don't belong? So here's the thing, I don't know because there isn't one answer for this, but I do want to tell you what worked for me or worked somewhat for me. So surrounding myself with people who thought like me, who were also first generation students, who were also Latino students, who were also experimenting a lot of what I was experimenting in my classes, surrounding myself with that community was so crucial for me because it felt like I was not alone. I didn't feel like I was going through the same things over and over without someone to vent to because I had that community that could say, dude, me too. And that me too is so important because it makes you not feel so abnormal. You feel like, wow, this isn't something that's personal or, or the problem is with me, the problem is greater than, than something that I can necessarily control or manipulate. This is affecting a wide array of first-gen students and minority students in general. So that's something that definitely worked for me. Now, here's a bit of the danger, or the other side of the coin that comes with that is that if we stay in spaces where we're comfortable and we feel accepted, I mean, that's what we get. We get comfort and we feel accepted and we need that. But we also need to challenge ourselves and go beyond those spaces of comfort and acceptance. Why? Because if we want there to be a change, if we want other students not to feel the same way we feel, in predominantly white institutions or through fields and areas of studies that have been marked and changed by predominantly white older males, we have to be in those spaces of conversation, of study, to be able to make a difference. I remember one thing that my genetics professor told us at the beginning of the semester. I took a genetics course. It was my junior no it was my senior year of college and the first thing she told us she said all right listen guys we're going to be learning about some of the history of genetics and you're going to see a trend that all these people are predominantly white older males this is not to say that white older males are the smartest people on the planet this just shows that at the time they had the most access to science and literature Therefore, that produced 
these people to make great findings, you know, that, that, that we find now. And a lot of these people, if you go through the history book, I mean, there's not one black or Latino or Asian geneticist that I could tell you off the top of my head. All I think about is Gregor Mendel and James Watson. You know, the, these people, that's the first thing that comes in my mind when I think geneticist, right? I don't think of someone of color. I don't think of someone who uh, comes from a minority background. And it's sad and it's unfortunate. And so she went on to say, now what this means for you guys is that you guys are just as smart as these people that we're reading about in these textbooks. You guys have the exact same capability, but... We need more diversity in the sciences because all the resources throughout the centuries, I'm not talking about just present day, I'm talking about through history, have been uh, held by and, and kind of engulfed by a predominantly white audience. Anyways, so I just had a light bulb moment in that class and it, it clicked. It said, uh, and for me, it was a lot of the struggles that we encounter as first-gen students and as minority students. And, you know, I'm, I'm white. I'm a white Latino. And, and so non-white students as well, they encounter a set of struggles, not necessarily at the time. There's always these good intentions, right? But the access to resources seems to always be one of the one of the the problems i guess with the way our society functions you know the haves and the have nots right and this is something historically that has been very 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 evident in 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 just the core and the roots of this country but how does this even how how do we connect that with the idea of finding where you belong here's the thing and here's the answer to your question you don't find out where you belong because where you are now that is where you belong and that where is where you were meant to be a part of and as a university student that's like ah oh, you know that's cheap man like i actually want to find out you know what my passion is that will come that will come with you being intentional that with that will come with you asking questions that will come with you exploring that will come with you being adventurous and venturing out beyond your comfort zone but where you belong is exactly where you are right now crazy right so if you're in college if you're in university if you're filling out your fafsa and having headaches and don't know where to go and having to do it by yourself if you are having struggle adjusting to college because in high school you didn't get given all the resources that maybe a lot of your peers got given and are now in college and are succeeding or you just feel left out you feel like you stick out you know in the middle of the room you feel like no one in the classroom is coming with the same perspective and the same point of view as you um, and professors are making jokes about movies you've never seen and, and music you've never listened to. And you just feel like, dude, I'm in another dimension. Like, this is weird. Like, college is just so different for me. You know, bro, sis, you belong there. You are supposed to be there. You are the only one in that classroom and very few maybe in your institution that can offer a unique perspective. 
to your institution and to the community that is around you. So you belong there. And a lot of the times, there's just this this quote that I that I have in my mind. I don't even know where it comes from because I heard it. You know, I've heard pieces of it from different places, but it's don't wait to be asked to sit at the table. Bring your chair, which is your set of experiences, the tools you have in front of you, who you are as a person. Bring your chair with you to the table and tell the people to move over and make room for you. That's uncomfortable, dude, because we live in institutions and we go to school in these in these colleges and these universities that weren't necessarily made to cater for first-gen students and weren't designed to help people from low-income backgrounds and weren't designed to help people of color. They were designed to keep the elite elite and to and to help them learn and to grow better and to produce research. And now, obviously, we've made progress and we've grown and there's more inclusion and there's more diversity, but there's still so much work to be done in those spaces so if you abandon those spaces no one is going to say hey look you know so and so fulanito fulanita is missing from the table we have to go get them you know maybe there is maybe some universities are being strategic and want to accept more diverse students wanting to accept more students from diverse backgrounds but if you are at your institution you are there for a reason and i'm not placing a burden on you to say you are the one who has to make a change but just know that if you're waiting on someone to make the change and you have a passion and you have a drive to do that, do it. I am super amazed and I'm very, very proud of my campus. Uh, this group that organized uh, called OK State Stand United, man, they, they've they just grown and I've seen so much fruit, you know, stemming from, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement and everything that has passed in the past couple months and them taking a stand and to ask the university and and to post a list of urgencies for the university to say hey this is how we feel this is how the black community feels at osu and these are the things that we want done these are the things that we want our school to do for us for this community and this you know is not just for us, this is for the whole campus. This is for us to stand united, to realize that this goes beyond us personally. We want this to, to grow and to continue expanding and to see that, yes, you know, black lives do matter. It helps you to understand, A, your struggle and B, the struggles of other people and C, how can we use those struggles for the benefit of not only us, but the greater community? So definitely uh, something that uh, I'm very proud of my campus. I think your Instagram, Instagram, yes, Instagram. <laughs> I think their IG is at OK State Stand United. A big shout out to them um, and everything that they're doing. But it's it's people and groups like that that just motivate you like, man, like we do belong here. We do belong in universities and we're not just going to sit here and, you know, be on the side and stay quiet. We're here to make changes. We're here to impact our communities. We're here to learn, to grow, and to go beyond that. So maybe this podcast isn't necessarily what you were expecting. <laughs> but hopefully you leave with the idea that, yes, you do belong in college. You are meant to be there. 
and don't give up. Surround yourself with people that are going to mold you, that are going to grow you, and that are going to support you, that are going to nurture you, that are going to help you grow. Um, but don't be afraid to step out of your comfort zone and to realize that, yes, I'm here and I have this opportunity to not only study and prepare myself for a financial, financially better future, but also to grow, to learn, to be exposed to things that I previously hadn't been exposed to. So, yeah, that's it for me, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. Uh, you keep tuning in, and, and uh, yeah, that's all I got. So, peace. Have a good one. <laughs>